Praise the Lord, everybody. Take your Bibles, please. And uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, last week, we, uh, I did share a message. I mean, my, my goal this morning is to recap that message and give you a new message in the next 30 or 40 minutes. Do you believe in miracles? This will be a miracle, but we're going to try to do it. <laughs> uh, where, where did I put them? Oh, here they are. <laughs> well, 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, I, the, the message last Sunday was entitled um, Spiritual Sacrifices. The title of today's message is uh, the chief cornerstone. And I have to tell you, we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. So they really are one big thought. So why don't we stand together? I want to read uh, verses 1 through 10 and then get into this message. I'm, I'm curious how this will unfold. Uh, every, every time I preach, there's always a little thing that happens between me and the Lord. But I think this one's really going to have something happen. But we'll see. So 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse, well, you'll remember verses 1 through 5 because we read it last week, but we'll continue to verse number 10. Therefore, laying aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he's precious. But to those who are disobedient, some translations say disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Father, thank you for this powerful passage uh, penned by our dear friend Peter under the inspiration of your spirit. May it speak volumes to us today, Lord. Help me to preach it the way you want. Let it be heard and received and applied by every one of us in-house and on live stream the way you want as well. Father, as we always pray, in the process of the preaching of your word, you be glorified. Please be glorified. And may your people be edified and encouraged. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. You may be seated. We're just going to delve in here today. Uh, last week, spiritual sacrifices. Uh, we, are, we are considered in the eyes of God as living stones. Verse number, verse number five, we're living stones. We're drawing from the, the, the living stone in verse number four, Jesus Christ. Uh, we're being built up as a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. This has two applications. The first application is this, that we as the church 
are being built up as a spiritual house. That's why I get a little worried and people get worried or concerned when churches are not so spiritual. They become very social, very uh, entertainment oriented or whatnot. But the word of God says we're being built up as a spiritual house with a, with a holy priesthood. Every one of us are holy priests unto the Lord. The other application is this is a personal application. You're being built up as a, as a spiritual house. The word says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. The Spirit of God lives within us, each one of us. And individually, we are priests unto the Lord. We don't need to go to a, a Levitical priest or a rabbi or even a pastor. We can all come before the Lord through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we're being built up and established. Um, in the context of verses 1, 2, and 3, I just want to share this quickly. Um, verse number 1 is very important because the Lord is calling us to go deeper. Now, in order to be a, a spiritual house and a holy priest, it, it says in verse number 1, look, you've got to take care of these issues in your life. And you know what? We all have them. We all have these issues, these human fleshly qualities. But see, we can't be a very good priest if we're not addressing those things in our lives. And, and I would say this, you know what, it really never ends. Because once you think you have a handle on one of these issues, next week something else is going to pop up. And maybe two weeks later you're going to go back to number one, if you know what I mean. But he says, don't let malice, you know, lay aside, put down, put aside malice. Malice means the desire to hurt somebody. Oh, Lord, forgive us. You could hurt somebody physically. You could hurt someone emotionally. You could hurt somebody with your words. Words could kill somebody. But you can't be a very good priest if you have malice in your heart. So lay that aside. Deceit, lying, twisting the truth to make yourself look better or whatever. Hypocrisy. You know, Jesus had a special little thing against the hypocrites of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He didn't, he called them out. You know what he called them? Snakes. You vipers. You hypocrites. That's pretty heavy stuff coming from the Lord. But we can't be hypocritical and expect to be a very good priest. Envy, put aside envy, resentment, jealousy. Put aside speaking evil about other people, whether verbally, written, and my goodness, stay away from blasting somebody on social media. That's one of the worst forms of speaking evil. I've seen it happen. But lay all these things aside so that Jesus can build you up. Verses 2 and 3, I, I love how he says it, but uh, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. Get back to basics. Get back to innocence. Get, get back to a simple place. I want to grow in Christ. I want to lay aside those things and grow closer to God. Be more like Jesus. Verse 4, coming to Jesus. Coming over and over again. Coming to the Lord. I could make a little statement here. I, I would encourage you, keep coming to the church. Keep coming to the Bible study. Keep coming to times of worship. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. He's the living stone. The more we're around him, the more we're like him. And he says, keep coming before that living stone. And understand, this is something we have to understand. He was rejected by men. Absolutely rejected by men. But chosen by God. And he's precious. I see the word precious three times in this passage. Verse 4, verse 6, and verse 7. 
And I want to talk a little bit, not right now, but just think in your mind, how precious is Jesus to you? He's precious. So verse number five, you know, we're being built up as, as a spiritual house. And there's a, I call this a holy tension in our spirit. Because on the one hand, I'm excited, I'm happy, God's doing something in me, changing me, growing me, maturing me. But at the same time, I know that the God that loves me so much, the God that I love, that same God is being rejected by most of the people I know out in the world. And there's a tension between the the two relationships. I want to serve God. But I want to get along in this life too. But we have to come to a place where we understand we will not satisfy everybody in the world. We're serving Jesus Christ first and foremost. That's the priority. That's how precious he must be in our lives. So last week I I shared with you five uh, spiritual sacrifices that we could give to the Lord. So I want to take a minute and go over that. One of them was prayer. One of them was praise. One of them was your will. One of them was your body. And one was, the last one was your your words and your actions. And I don't want to go through all that again, but I want to give you some practical ways that we could do these spiritual sacrifices. You ready for this? First one is, let me just speak your language. Don't speed on the highway. And don't curse the guy in front of you that's making you go crazy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, well, Godspeed is an overspeed. I'm just trying to speak your language, but whatever, you know, don't speed on the high. In other words, don't break the law. Don't do things out of your angst and your anxiety. And, 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 and my, my little footnote says, bite your tongue. That's a spiritual sacrifice. Oh, but Pastor, I thought we had to be in church for the spiritual sacrifice. Well, maybe when we praise or whatever, but you know what? Most of the time we're not in church. Our lives outside of church are really important. The spiritual sacrifices, I'm not going to curse that guy out. I'm going to be kind and let him cut in front of me. Oh, Lord, help me. You ever you been there? I've developed a new attitude on the highway. I let them go first. It took about a month to work that out of me. I was like, no, no. But now I let them go. It's a spiritual sacrifice. Here's another one. Don't say out loud what you think you might say to somebody. Especially if it's negative, hurtful, personal, gossipy, or prideful. You may have a thought, just because you think it, guess what? Doesn't mean you have a right to say it. Doesn't work that way. We have a lot of thoughts going on in here. But you have to use a lot of discernment what you say to somebody. That is a spiritual sacrifice. Here's another one. I, I wrote it like this because this is, <laughs> this is a, I wrote this. So I wrote, I wrote skip dessert. Now that's what I do. I skip dessert. But, um, you know, don't eat the second helping or just have one piece of dessert and not three. But this could go in many different ways, many different ways. Don't don't take that drink somebody offers you. Don't take that joint somebody offers you. Don't take those pills you have stashed away in your house. Uh, Don't don't get involved with something that, you know, you really shouldn't do. No one will even know. But God will know and you will know. So skip dessert. Show kindness to somebody. It's a sacrifice. Give somebody time. Speak softly to somebody. Turn the other cheek when someone smacks you. You know, try to reach down and get, get the strength of God to deal with it in a godly manner. 
Here's another one. Start tithing. You, you, our money is a really big issue. And I'm not saying we, we, we're doing well with tithing. and Well, we do need some more help with missions. But I'm saying let God speak to you about what you do with your money. I, Patty Stauffer had mentioned the other night, you know, to give up a Starbucks coffee. How much is a Starbucks coffee? Five dollars? Or more? How much? I don't even know. I don't go to Starbucks. Eight dollars for a cup of eight dollars for a cup of coffee. Oh my goodness! Do that every day. Man, you have a missions offering right there. But I'm just saying. So these are these are spiritual sacrifices in a practical way. I just wanted to mention that uh, as a follow up to last week. So let's talk about the chief cornerstone. I like how Peter transitions this. Because verses 1 through 5 are pretty clear to me, pretty obvious. He's saying, look, you started with God. You tasted the Lord is gracious. Good. Go deeper now. Get into the word of God. Drink the milk and grow in your faith. Get, to, get together with the living stone and, and get built up. It's all good. But verse number 6, he says, like out of the blue, it's also contained in the scriptures. Now he starts quoting scriptures from Isaiah. Two from Isaiah, one from Psalms. And, and Peter is backing up what he's saying. Like in verse number four, that living stone, the prophets talked about that living stone. The prophet said, behold, I lay in Zion, which is Jerusalem. I lay in Jerusalem a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. Uh, I, you know, Peter said, I want you to know what, what we're saying here has been prophesied. That the cornerstone would come. The living stone would come. His name is Jesus. And he is the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone, if you know anything about building, is, is obviously in the corner. But two walls come out of it. And then the building is built. But that, that cornerstone has all the weight on it at first. And spiritually or theologically speaking, one wall is the Jews. One wall is the Gentiles. And they come together on the cornerstone. And our lives are being built up on that cornerstone. Uh, elect of God. Elect by the Father. This cornerstone was chosen by God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who's precious. Who's precious. Verse 4, he's precious. Verse 6, he's precious. Verse 7, he's precious. Chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. We're saved not by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. How precious is Jesus in your life? And those who believe in him will not be put to shame, he says in verse number 6. Romans 10, 11 says exactly the same thing, the same quotation. Romans 10, 13 says, those who call upon him will be saved. Uh, John, 1 John 1 says, uh, John chapter 1 says, those who receive him have been given the right to be called the child of God. Verse number seven, you who believe, he's precious. But to those who are disobedient or those who disbelieve, then he goes on to something. But I just want to rest here for a minute. How precious is Jesus to you? It's a good question. I, I think it was D.L. Moody shared that his, one of his first messages that he ever preached, I think as a teenager, was uh, how precious is Jesus? His whole message was about how precious Jesus is and our response to his preciousness. Sometimes we think that, well, we're giving our money, we're giving our time, we're praying, whatever we do. We think that, our, that, we think that we're so precious. 
But what would we do for our precious Lord? Would we leave home and do some ministry somewhere? Would we, would we put him before our loved ones, perhaps? Would we make sacrifices to live out the call of God on our lives? Everyone here has a call of God on your lives. I believe that. I know that to be true. I have my call on my life, but you have your call on your life. Are you, are you thinking of Jesus as precious enough to do what you know he wants you to do? Is he that precious to you? He should be. I won't go into all of this, but in a local church, there are so many needs that need to be filled. I'll tell you right now, and you all know this already, the pastor and his wife can't do it all. There's no way in the world. But a thriving church, and we're doing okay. We had that business meeting. We're good. But we can do better as people get involved in various ministries of the church. One ministry I want to try to establish this year, more so than in the past, is a follow-up ministry to people that visit the church. If that just spoke to somebody, get a hold of me. I'm not hard to reach. Call me, text me, email me, see me after church or whatever. But there's many different things we can do. But how precious is Jesus to you? Anyway, I, I find verses, uh, verses 7 and 8 a little bit complicated. Let me explain that. He says in verse number seven, therefore, to you who believe, he's precious, but to those who are disobedient. And then he quotes these two scriptures. But the first scripture he quotes really goes with the first part of verse number, uh, verse number seven. I, I would read it like this. Therefore, to you who believe, he's precious. He's the stone which the builders rejected. He's become the chief cornerstone. And verse number seven, but to those who are disobedient or, or disobey, uh, he's, he is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You ever notice that when people don't believe or choose not to believe, they really stumble over the person of Jesus Christ. We say this all the time. You could talk about God. You could even talk about the Bible. But when you get personal and talk about Jesus, it does something to people. Jesus, for many people, is a stumbling block. You know why? Because people don't want to yield to his authority. He's not going to yield. We must yield and surrender to him. And that's where it gets, it gets tough. And it says in verse number eight, um, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed uh, you know, in verse number nine, it talks about a chosen generation. I just want to talk about that for a minute. Here, here's, here's the general consensus on what that means. Everybody is appointed by God to serve God. Everybody is chosen by God to serve God. John 3, 16, God so loved, he didn't just love Israel or, or a certain country, he loved the whole world, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Go into all the world, Matthew 28. Preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16. The, the issue is, it's not God's plan, but everyone has a free will. Free will determines if you will be one of the elect or one of the chosen. That remains up to every individual, every one of us. And this poses a problem for people. 
Some people hear about Jesus. People have visited our church hear about Jesus, but yet they can't surrender. They won't surrender to the Lord. Here's the analogy. We use it all the time. We always say, God, Jesus wants us on the cross with him, that we would be crucified with him. Many people love being around the cross. They love the worship. They love the word or whatever. They love the fellowship. They love time with the people of God. But when it comes right down to the nitty gritty of what they're doing with Jesus, they're still around the cross and not on the cross. It's a choice we all must make. But we're all chosen to serve him. Jesus won't change. Either you're in or you're out. You accept Jesus or you don't. You believe or you don't. You're, you're, you follow or you don't. You're, you're, you, there's no compromise. He says in Revelation, if you're lukewarm, what's he going to do? Spit you out of his mouth. So either be hot or cold. So verses 4 and 5, in, in, in my way of thinking, there's one thing going into verses 6, 7, and 8. It paints the picture of Jesus being the chief cornerstone that's, that's building up his church. And it says in verse number 9, and then we'll make some application here, but verse number 9 says, but you, you're not one, the ones who disbelieve or the ones who are disobedient. You, you are the ones that have heard the message. You're, you're laying aside those fleshly uh, human traits and you're trying your best to, to grow in Christ. You are a chosen generation. It's no longer the Jews are the chosen people. We're the chosen people. Anyone who received Jesus is one of the chosen people, Jew or Gentile. We're a royal priesthood, each one of us. We're a holy nation, which, which uh, gives me pause to think back on Christmas when we would read from Isaiah chapter 9 that the government will be upon his shoulders, the Christ child. There's a government involved. The, the policies are the word of God. He has a way about governing his people, his nation. We're a holy nation consisting of many, many different nations, many different people groups, many different cultures and languages even. But we're one in Christ. He says in verse number nine, we're a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're his own special people. I love that aspect. Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrates his love toward us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how special we are to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of Christ. Last Wednesday night in our Bible study on the live stream, we were talking about King David. Some of you may remember this. There's a gruesome passage we were looking at. And uh, David was executing justice upon, upon uh, these people, or this person, that did something that was wrong. And in that passage, we close the study by saying this. David cut off his hands, cut off his feet, and hung him. Hung him. And the man was gruesomely killed for what he did. His, his infraction caused him his death. He executed this man. He executed another man a few chapters before. And I, what I was saying at that time was, that is a picture of what we deserve if it weren't for the blood of Jesus Christ. So when we say we're, we're a holy nation, his special people, we're special because he died for us. He took that penalty off of us. 
We need to have our hands and feet cut off. We need to be hanged on a tree somewhere. We need to take the, the bullet or take the spear. But no, Jesus died in our place that we might have life and life abundantly. How precious is that to you? See, when you look at it like that, when I, when I read that passage in, in uh, 2 Samuel, I think, man, that would have been us without Jesus. That would have been me without Jesus. I'll, I'll say like Paul, I'm the chief sinner among everybody. I don't deserve anything in this life, but by the grace of God, I'm standing here today. By the mercy of God, we're all here today. What, we don't deserve any of this. We, we deserve death. The wages of sin is death, it says. Just like I, I alluded to earlier in Romans 7, when <clears throat> Paul's saying, what I want to do, I don't do, and vice versa. Who will deliver me from this body of death? We have this picture in that culture. They would take a, a dead corpse and tie it on the back of a person who, who committed a crime. And that person would have to walk around with a dead body tied on them. Can you imagine how gruesome and ugly and disgusting that is? But the, the picture is, that's our old nature that's been crucified with Christ. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Jesus will. He cuts us loose from that. So how, how, how precious is Jesus to you when you look at it that way? He's the most precious in the whole wide world. He determines our destiny. He determines our right now as well. So verse number nine, this is awesome. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, so that you might become rich, famous, live to be 120 years old, be popular. None of those things exist in the word of God. All, we're all those things that we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into light. That's why Jesus came. To bring us from one place to another that we would be his voice on earth giving praise to God for what he's done for us. What an awesome privilege and responsibility. How precious is he? He's called you out of darkness to live in that light. He redeemed us that we may praise him, give him glory, give him honor, give him recognition. He says in verse number 10, once we were not a people, once we didn't belong, we, we, we were aimless, lost, we were, at, we were enemies with God, the scripture says, but, uh, but we had not obtained mercy, but now we've obtained mercy. This is Peter's way of reminding everybody, and he knows very well that he hadn't arrived yet either. He had many infractions in his life, but he's living by God's mercy. And he's telling everybody else, we're living by God's mercy. We're not getting the punishment we deserve. Jesus took it all to the cross. So, uh, chief cornerstone. Stacy knows me so well. Where are we going now, Pop? I don't know, Stacy. <laughs> well, I want to share two scriptures with you before we wrap it up. The first one is in Matthew 21. You could turn to it in your Bible. Don't have it on the screen, but Matthew 21 Jesus taught on this subject. He was speaking to the Pharisees who were always criticizing him, always finding fault with him. And Jesus had a problem with them too. But he says in Matthew 21, in verse number 42, Jesus said to them, have you never heard of the scriptures that says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? <laughs> 
<coughs> he says that this, this was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. This is from uh, Psalm 118. Therefore I say to you, Jesus says, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. In other words, just because you're a, of the family of Abraham, you're, you're a Jew, that doesn't make you uh, right in God's eyes. I'm gonna get, he said, I'm going to give this kingdom to those, uh, this nation that calls upon my name. Look at verse number 44. Whoever falls on this stone, this stone, this chief cornerstone, will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Let me explain. Whoever falls on this stone, I don't know about you, but in 1977, I fell upon the cross of Jesus Christ. I fell upon the chief cornerstone. And I was broken before God. I had to be broken so he could put me back together again the right way. But if we fall upon the chief cornerstone, we break before God, he begins to rebuild us the right way. I keep saying to the Lord, I've been saying this for a number of years, Lord, let me be the person you wanted me to be in the first place. Take all my stuff out of my head or whatever. Just let me be the person you want me to be. But see, Jesus is saying, look, if you fall on this cornerstone, you'll be built up. As, as, as Peter says, you'll be built up and established. And you have to wonder too, did Peter remember this when he wrote that in 1 Peter? Did he remember Jesus' teaching about the chief cornerstone? I think he did. And Peter's saying, reminding himself too, I'm standing on the rock of Jesus. I'm standing on the cornerstone. I'm being built up as a, as a spiritual house and a holy priest myself. And he had many issues he could have been depressed or feel guilty about. And the second passage is in Ephesians Chapter 2. If we could go there real quickly. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, starting at verse number 19. Paul, taking up Jesus' style of preaching, <clears throat> he says, Therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're a member of the household of God. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a, spirit, a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I just want to look at those, three, those four verses for a minute. Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22. Verse number 20, and I want to raise the question for you. And those online, listen, verse number 20, it says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. The question is, have you, are you building your life upon the foundation of Jesus? Paraphrase, are you born again? Have you come to a place in your life where you recognize, I can't live life the way I was. I'm spinning my wheels, I'm miserable, I'm, I'm happy, I, I, I can't get through. Uh, have you come to that place of surrender to Jesus? Right here, verse 20, he says, you, you, you built your, your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. We read in uh, 1 Peter 2, 4, coming to Jesus as a living stone. Have you come to Jesus as your means of life and support and forgiveness and grace and mercy. Have you come to Jesus? Or you keep coming to Jesus? Verse number 21 says, uh, In whom the whole building being fitted together grows 
I wonder if, if you could say you're being fit together within the body of Christ. Are you, are you, you know, are you, are you getting assimilated into the church? If not this church, another church. I'm not saying, are you getting, are you part of the body of Christ? Because you need to be a part of the body of Christ. It's part of the growth, part of the experience. 1 Peter 2, 5, again, we're being built up as a spiritual house, corporately and independently. And verse number 22 says, uh, you're, you're being built together for a dwelling place. I call this, you know, we're being built as a dwelling place of the Lord. Are you growing? Are you maturing in the things of God? Are you going deeper in the things of God? 1 Peter 2, 2 talks about having the milk of the word. Are you drinking the milk? Are you eating the, the bread of life? Are you, are you swallowing the things of God and growing and actually changing your life? Are the things that you used to do not bothering you now? Now you have new things bothering you? I remember many years ago, I talked to my pastor. I, I told him a problem I had. He goes, Rick, you know, that's really good that you're dealing with this problem, and not some of those other problems you used to deal with. I said, yeah, like maybe I'm growing. He goes, yeah, you're growing all right. Because those little things that used to bother you, you got them down. Now you're dealing with some more serious issues. But that's what we need to do. Grow in our faith. You, you are a spiritual dwelling place. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. On a personal note, your pastor wants to depend on you. If I make a phone call or a text, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you, you know, visit that one? Can you take care of this? I need to know who's with me, who's growing with me, who's you know, alongside me here. At some point, we need to make that transition from a babe in Christ to growing deeper in the things of God. Okay, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. Just want to wrap this up. Chief cornerstone. Oh boy. The chief, when Jesus is our chief cornerstone, I think from this passage, three things are going to stand out to us. Number one is found in verse number five. When he's our, cornerstone, our chief cornerstone, we will produce spiritual sacrifices. Remember those things we shared earlier, whatever, however that applies to you. But if Jesus is your chief cornerstone, there will be spiritual sacrifices. He's waiting for those spiritual sacrifices. Number two is this. If Jesus is your chief cornerstone, we will proclaim his praise. Verse number nine. We won't be quick to complain and gripe and bicker and gossip will be quick to say, praise the Lord anyway. Praise the Lord anyway. I don't see the answer yet, but praise him anyway. I know he heard me. I had a devotional this morning myself, an encouragement uh, from Luke 18.1. Jesus said, uh, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. And the devotional was about, what do you do when you've been praying for a long time and that thing didn't happen yet? You don't give up. You keep praying. You keep trusting. You keep believing. You hang on to Jesus. His word hasn't changed one bit. The answer didn't come for whatever reason, but that's, that's, that's up to the Lord. Our role is to stay close to him. And we need to proclaim his praises in spite of life's circumstances. Amen? I mean, I, I, can, I can tell you many, I, just like you, you could probably tell me, how was your day yesterday? 
Uh, my day, yeah, I had my agenda planned out yesterday, and by 10 o'clock, it was out the window. What am I going to do? Get mad and get upset? No, I have to say, Lord, I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to trust you for everything else I have to do today. And God's faithful. God is faithful. The third thing is verse number 10. Uh, when, when Jesus is our chief cornerstone, we are absolutely 100% living in his mercy. It's nothing we've done to, to, uh, to earn anything. His mercy allows us to be in good graces with him. I love the fact that, uh, that Peter is saying these things, you know. Peter, the one who denied the Lord and spoke out of turn and did all these things. Uh, but he, he learned to be obedient and to surrender to the Lord. So if Jesus is your chief, chief cornerstone, spiritual sacrifices, proclaim his praise, obtain his mercy, ongoing, 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 until the day that you see the Lord face to face. Closing with a thought from Pastor Brazil. His fight is over. Last Monday, he met Jesus face to face. 83 years old. I think he started preaching as a teenager, if I read that properly. I'll send the obituary out through email. But that's a long life of preaching the word of God. But now he's with Jesus. He lived in God's mercy every single day. Not a perfect man, but a holy man and a good man. Let's stand together. I want to read uh, 2 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 2, verse number 5. Let's stand together. And after, uh, after we read this and pray, the altars will be open if anybody needs prayer. I want to remember to pray for my wife, Pamela, that's home with a little congestion today and uh, some others that are not be able to be with us. But 1 Peter 2, 5. Can you say it with me? You also, as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great scripture? Amen. Knowing that we're being built up, you know, as a living stone, and, but we're going to the living stone. In fact, we're standing on the chief cornerstone that he may build us up the right way. Let's say it one more time. Say it loud. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment. Before we close out in prayer, there will be coffee available and some fellowship, but let's, let's take care of some business right here. Is there anybody here today or someone on live stream that you realize you've been building your house on the wrong foundation? Could be your money, could be your education. There's nothing wrong with that. Could be your family values or what, whatnot. But you realize today you've got to build your house, your, your life upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. You may have been on the rock, but maybe tilted over to one side. And you feel it today. I got to get on centrally on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Anyone like that? We're talking about a radical commitment to the Lord. Anyone feel like I want to surrender to the cornerstone today? I, I do. I want to continue to surrender to the Lord today. Anyone want to start performing some spiritual sacrifices? Listen, I won't be checking on you. The Holy Spirit might. I won't. Unless you want to tell me something, but just in your own way, offer spiritual sacrifices to God. 
And is anyone here ready today to begin a lifestyle of proclaiming his praise? Through the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the good and bad that life throws at us. When life happens, when things don't go the way we think they should go, and we have a tendency to get mad at God even, say, Lord, why? No, let's just praise God and trust him to work it out. I want to close with this thought that angels are watching us. Demons are watching us. The Holy Spirit is watching us. And guess what? The world is watching us. Let's, Let's show the world how we live our lives, grounded, rooted, built up, and established on the great cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you, Lord, for this sermon, for this time in church. Thank you, Lord, for this congregation. Thank you for those online today as well. Father, we do pray in your precious name that you would come right now, begin to speak to our hearts. Lord, even as we walk out the door, let your Holy Spirit continue to speak to us about all the things we talked about. And I know we talked about a lot. I pray, Lord, as your word tells us that the Holy Spirit will remind us of the things we need to know at just the right time. So, Lord, help us. Help us to be better. Help us to do better. Help us to be more aware. Help us to recognize our potential in Christ. Lord, we, we, we pray right now, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses. Wash us clean again and again and again. Wash us by the blood of Jesus. But wait, may we stay on that cornerstone where you are building us up as a spiritual house and a holy royal priesthood. Father, we know There are thousands of people right in this area of Massachusetts and Rhode Island that need to see the real deal. They need to see real Christian people. We pray, Lord, that we would fill that that spot in somebody's life, that when we meet someone, or maybe at work or school or whatever, that people would see a real Christian in us, our lives established by being built upon the rock of Christ. So, Lord, thank you. May your blessing rest upon us as we go. And uh, again, Lord, may your blessing rest upon the Brazil family down in South Carolina during this difficult time for them. This we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. All right, you're you're dismissed uh, to go that way or this way. If you want to come this way, I'll be happy to pray with you. Try to join us on the live stream tonight at 6.